On this case, we're going to replace some old PFMs that the patient has on tooth number eight and nine. You can see they're kind of high value, and we've definitely got some gingival problems as well. And uh, uh, to make this exciting and just to kind of show what we can do, we're going to replace these with some all ceramic crowns. Specifically, we're going to make Bruxer crowns for teeth number eight and nine. And you can see on the lingual here uh, where the patient has either worn through or the laboratory has fabricated some metal runways uh, for the patient. And as we get a closer look at the gingiva here, you can see that we definitely have some issues. It's swollen, it's edematous, and it looks like it's just ready to bleed. Uh, but first things first, need to take the shade before the teeth become dehydrated and start to appear higher in value than they really are. So we're going to the two adjacent teeth, the lateral incisors, and I'm getting a 2M1 for my 3D Master Shade. As you know, I love the 3D Master Shade guide because it's so much easier to match the natural teeth. Uh, as you've heard me say before, it's laid out logically and scientifically and very easy to use. This is the linear guide. It's just two steps to get to that shade. So... Here are the um, six different shade guide families here, and it's already told us that the number two um, shade value is the one that we're looking for as I hold it up to these teeth. And you can see that it looks pretty nice. Three definitely looks to be too low in value in shade family one. Looks to be a little too light, but certainly closer than uh, a three is. And there's the 2M1 shade tab right in the middle. I've got the 1M1 on one side and, and the 0Ms over on the other side, just to kind of give you an indication of what we're talking about. But as you look at the 1M1 and the 2M1, I think the 2M1 is more correct. Um, that's what uh, the Easy Shade Compact told me uh, was a more correct shade in the spot where I happened to put the tip of it. But the 1M1 is kind of in the ballpark uh, uh, as well. So I'm going to hold both of those here next to that tooth, the 1M1 and the 2M1, and take a photograph. My assistant will take a picture. We'll send it to the technician. That's going to help ensure that we get the best shade. That is a really important step here in terms of making sure that these two crowns on 8 and 9 are going to match 7 and 10. You've got to take a picture with that shade tab in place. Even though 2M1 might be the closest shade uh, and 1M1's relatively close as well, they need to see those shade tabs next to those other teeth. And boy, look at, that. <laughs> look at this. I told you the gingiva didn't look healthy. What do you think when you put topical anesthetic on gingiva and it starts to bleed? And, and this is really just from the tip of that brush uh, kind of bumping up against the gingiva. So we've got some really inflamed edematous tissue here. These teeth have both been endodontically treated. So rather than give this patient two uh, infiltrations, which will be somewhat painful underneath her nose, probably the, the least uh, comfortable place to get an injection. I'm using my STA device from Milestone Scientific just to get some soft tissue anesthesia for the cord packing and the crown removal around these two teeth. So there's really no need for me to knock her lip out and get her nose numb and, and go through all that with a typical infiltration when the teeth have been endodontically treated. So I just go into the facial sulcus at the midpoint of the tooth and I'm going to give about a quarter carpule on both of these teeth. You can see how the blanching actually moves interproximal to the two papilla and it's been my experience that when I use septicane in the STA system like this on anterior teeth, that I do get enough bleed through of the septicane onto the palatal tissue, onto the lingual, where I don't have to give additional anesthesia to pack either of the two cords um, on the lingual. So we start to cut these crowns off so we can see what's going on underneath. You know, part of my thought was maybe this is a... Um, an allergy to base metals, uh, but as I cut through it doesn't seem like it because I can see that these are 
in fact, CapTech crowns. And I've loved and used CapTech for many, many years as an aesthetic PFM on anterior cases just like this. Because of the fact that the CapTech metal actually is beneficial to the gingival tissues, for that to happen, you have to leave so you have to leave a metal collar essentially underneath the gingiva to take advantage of the antibacterial properties of the CapTech metal. And that was not done in this case. It was just a porcelain margin. But still, it's not like if you cover the CapTech, you're going to cause anything bad to happen. You're just not going to get the good anti-plaque effects of the CapTech. So it's a little hard to say what was going on here, whether it was an open margin or if it was grossly over-contoured or there was cement left underneath there. It's really hard to tell about. The only thing we can conclude is that it, it was not probably a base metal uh, reaction because we had the 22 carat uh, cap tech coping underneath these crowns. So it certainly wasn't the metal that was causing this issue. Uh, you could see they uh, on the posterior now, now that we know these are cap tech, uh, that the laboratory did probably put those metal islands in on the lingual on their own because a cap tech crown, obviously, if you wore through it on the lingual, you would get right down to that soft cap tech coping. And uh, if you were able to wear through it and it would uh, fall apart at that point. So I'm just going in and probing, sounding down to the bone here to making sure we, we've got more than three millimeters so I can go in and remove a little of this tissue without causing any kind of biologic width invasion. So as I go around and see that I'm okay to take off, you know, half a millimeter or a millimeter of tissue, whatever I need to do, I'm going to go in with my diode laser and I want to just get this unhealthy tissue out of here. Again, you know, when I take a, a little topical anesthetic in a micro brush and I just rub it up uh, against the tissue to, to put get some anesthesia there and it starts to bleed all of a sudden, you can tell that we have an issue. You know, that's it's one thing if you snap floss in between teeth, obviously, and it starts bleeding. But just to put a little topical in a little micro brush and to have the tissue start bleeding that much, there's something going on. And I want to recontour this tissue anyway. And I just want to get rid of that super unhealthy tissue. Uh, hopefully get a nice set of temps on that's going to let this heal a little bit better. And then we'll come in next time and uh, and finish off the preps and take our impression then. You know, this has been one of the things that I've learned in, in 20 years of doing dentistry is that you just... You can't always take the impression even though you have the time to take it that day. You know, even though you say, oh, shoot, we've got, you know, a whole hour and a half blocked off or something like that. Uh, you're compromising this case, in my mind, to try to take this impression today. It's very difficult to get uh, a clean, dry environment to be able to do that for one thing. And uh, it just seems like uh, the chances of us having uh, a really accurate impression and some really accurate crowns uh, it goes down the drain. It's just really difficult to pull all of that off. So I'm going to clean off some excess cement at this point, and I'm just going to drop my margins down a little bit to the area right where the free margin of the gingiva is right now. And of course, these are endodontically treated teeth, so uh, I can turn off the air and water if I want to, which I typically do, but I can run it in the handpiece a little bit faster if I want to, just because I don't have to worry about frying a pulp. You've seen me do this all the time on uh, vital teeth as well, where I turn off the water. But I do leave the air on, and I do turn the speed down to about 3,000 RPM, so I don't generate a lot of frictional heat. But this is really w where you get to see what you're doing at the margin. You get a good idea of how your margin's shaping up, how much you've reduced, how smooth it is. I'm not going to worry about any of that smoothing right now on this appointment. I'm just going in and cleaning off 
old cement, dropping my margin down a little bit to the new gingival level because I do still want to have a slightly uh, sub-gingival margin. Again, I know the metal wasn't the issue because it was a cap check crown, but we are going to do an all ceramic crown and I do want to have this facial margin just slightly sub-gingival and, and we do that of course with the two core technique and without having to take a burr uh, sub-gingival at any point. So really this appointment has just become doing the, the majority of the prep work, just go, getting the most of the uh, tooth shaped, uh, getting the margin drop, getting everything where I want it, getting the incisal reduction correct and and then making the temps. And so really next time all we want to have to worry about is taking off the temporaries and hopefully the tissue looks nice and then we can go in and do what we need to do to get um, get our final impressions and move on at that point. So uh, I've got some biotemps that I've ordered from the laboratory. Teeth number eight and nine are splinted uh, together. If we did these as individual temps, obviously much better chance they're falling off. You can see me kind of pushing it very gingerly into place, uh, not wanting to um, push it on too far and uh, and affect the tissue too much. I just have the patient bite together to make sure it's down all the way. But, um, you know, I was trying to basically make sure that I didn't jam a lot of material and then didn't trim it uh, against the tissue itself. So we just put them in, pump them in a couple of times to make sure it's going to uh, go into place and not lock down. Just relined these with uh, Luxatemp. And then we're going to go in and do a little shaping on these. You know, the uh, the shaping of the embrasures on these biotemps, especially in the anterior, is really important because we want to give a nice, smooth surface here, and we even put a little glaze on it. We use a little Luxa glaze at the same time to get a nice, smooth, sealed surface as best as we can so we have an area where the tissue can kind of heal around it. So if anything, we want to over-trim these embrasures just a little bit. In other words the dreaded black triangle that we always try to avoid when we're putting in permanent restorations, it's okay to have those black triangles with the temporary end. And we tell the patient, you know, because we've left this little space for you, you know, if it happens, then you can rinse back and forth with this dental herb company uh, tooth and gum tonic without having to go in there and floss it. And that's going to make sure the gums stay healthy. So if we do have black triangles, we tell them um, it's in order to uh, uh, keep them from having to floss, and so their gingiva will be healthy, and there won't be any black triangles in the final result. So so here we are at the next appointment. It's been two weeks, and I'm going to go ahead and take my pair of forceps and wiggle off the biotemps. Tissue looks a little better until, well, <laughs> until I take the biotemps off, and I can see that, boy, I just left that margin a little bit short. And you can just see some fingers of epithelial tissue over on uh, number nine that appeared to have crept underneath there just a little bit. So I'll see if I can clean this off with a little viscostat clear. This is the clear version of uh, basically the regular viscostat, the brown one that we use in the post here. And we use it here so we don't get any deposition of, um, of uh, any kind of color uh, on the teeth when it reacts with um, uh, the retraction cord that we're going to use later. So the viscostat clear is a great idea for a product to use uh, in the anterior region where you don't want to discolor gingiva because it does tend to react with uh, retraction cords, um, some with epinephrine, some without. Again, I have the diode laser just kind of holding it over the tissue a little bit, um, trying to just stop any bleeding before it starts. A little extra tag here that I'm going to get rid of 
that was just kind of hanging around there. But the tissue definitely is looking better than it did last time. It still has a little bit of healing to go, but, um, you know, it's a funny thing. You take off crowns that don't fit very well and put on some temporaries and it's a step in the right direction. But you know, the gingiva is probably never going to heal completely until you have some permanent crowns in place that have really smooth surfaces and fit uh, better than the temporaries do. So the temporaries are a nice stepping stone to get to healthy gingiva, but probably not going to get super healthy until the permanent ones are put into place. So the double zero cord is flossed into place, and I'm just putting that in around teeth number eight and nine. I'm encouraged to see that uh, I don't have any bleeding as I'm doing this and putting those into place, and that cord is going to stay in for the entire uh, procedure today. That's the one that's going to guarantee that I don't have any bleeding. It provides the vertical retraction, so I know where to put my margins. Although we've done most of the preparation already, so it's not quite necessary. And this is the 2E Ultra Pack cord going on top of that one. This cord will stay in place for about 8 to 10 minutes. As soon as I get close to having the two ends overlap, I just snip that off. And I leave a little tag hanging out, as you see here. On the double zero cord, the first one that goes in, I do not leave a tag, and they do not overlap at all. Uh, I want that all the way down. And now I'm packing the 2E cord on tooth number 8, and it helps you visualize your margin. You can also see that the tissue is, in fact, doing a lot better. You know, whereas the first time I saw the patient, when I brushed some topical anesthetic with a brush uh, against her gingiva, they started to bleed. Now I'm, you know, pushing somewhat vigorously this size two cord. It's a hollow cord, but I'm pushing it down and we're not getting any bleeding. So we've definitely had some healing and the gingiva has definitely gone in the right direction. And so now I've got my 856.025 burr out with the cords in, just cleaning up what I can see from the margins that I couldn't see last time because I didn't have the two cords in place. And again, you know, it always holds true that uh, the more reduction that you can give the uh, technician, the better the chance that um, uh, they're going to be able to give you a nicer result. And so at the very end here, we're going to smooth down and uh, get rid of, you know, any caries and old buildups. And the 856.025F, this is our red stripe burr being used here. And we're using the red stripe burr to smooth everything off. You know, the days of leaving prep surfaces really rough for micro-mechanical retention are essentially over unless you're still using flex or perhaps duralon uh, today we get natural bond strengths with our resin reinforced glass ionomers or our self-etching resin cements i mean we if you've taken off any crowns you've cemented recently with these cements it is plenty of bond strength of natural bond strength to the dentin itself so smoothing everything off just leads to a better impression and an easier time for your technician to identify your finish line and where to put the margins once we finish that we take two of our anatomic copper caps from coltine and put those in place always a little bit hard to have the patient close down on these compared to in the posterior and you can see again the wide open sulcus there on the mesial that we get when we um have an opportunity to use this two core technique. And again, look at that sulcus there. I mean, I'm going over it pretty quickly and filling it up. Don't blink or you'll miss it, but just a huge sulcus. And it doesn't matter uh, if we're taking a digital impression or a polyvinyl impression, this two core technique just gives us so much room uh, to be able to get a great impression. And uh, we probably could have used a uh, double arch tray here, like a clinician's choice anterior tray, but we're gonna use a palletless uh, tray basically a lower metal perforated tray to take this upper impression without a pallet in it and uh, I don't know if you saw it real quick but the bottom cords are still in place 
and they'll stay in place as long as they can stay there. Little bite registration, little capture on teeth number eight and nine. That's the only place we need the bite registration. And then the cords are going to get taken out before the temporary gets put back on again. Two weeks later, gingiva's looking even better at this appointment with the temps uh, than it did the first time. The temp might have been a little over contoured on the mesial of nine as I, I look at where it might have pushed on there just a little bit. And we've had an opportunity to uh, try the crowns in. We wanted to go with all ceramic crowns, and so we went with uh, Bruxer crowns. We did this partly because I wanted you to see how nice Bruxer can look, and, and partly because we were just challenging ourselves a little bit with the shades as well, and wanted to get a good shade and wanted to do it with the Bruxer too. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, if you're doing crowns on eight and nine, you should. Bruxer sh does not have to be your first choice. Uh, if you chose Emacs, I would applaud you and say, well done, uh, well chosen, well prescribed. Um, this, I just want to show you what we can do with zirconia that doesn't have any porcelain on it. You know, pretty soon, uh, this may become my material of choice in the anterior. It's a little easier for me to make it my material of choice in the anterior because since I practice within Glidewell Laboratories, I have technicians who can come over and do any custom staining that we may or may not need. Uh, I feel pretty confident that um, using the shade guide as you saw us use it and taking digital pictures of the shade guide and sending it to them, you know, really, I, I feel like we've got a pretty good recipe dialed in for how to be able to get um, some pretty nice shades. And it certainly helps that the technicians are in the building. So it, it's probably a little bit easier for me. And uh, uh, But you're starting to see that Bruxer can be used in the anterior. In fact, I just looked at some numbers the other day. Bruxer is now 10%. 10% of the Bruxer crowns that we fabricate are in the anterior regions of the mouth, which is up from zero, <laughs> which is where it was uh, back in 09 when we launched it. Again, when I clean the cement off, I cement these with a resin-reinforced glass ionomer. That's 3M Espy's Reliax Looting Plus. And as I cleaned it, got a little bit of uh, irritation on the gingiva again, so some Viscostat Clear to stop the bleeding. And there they are, the Bruxer crowns on, um, on teeth number 8 and 9. And uh, again, there's no porcelain on those crowns. That's solid zirconia and is extremely strong. And uh, un unlike porcelain, really uh, won't chip on incisal edges uh, up here in the anterior and has no metal in it in case she was having metal. You can see the flat facial profiles on 8 and 9 too. That's part of the CAD CAM story. That's the fact that uh, these crowns are now being milled uh, by a machine instead of a, uh, a technician. And so we can dial in whatever anatomy we want for these crowns. And it's because I did happen to reduce those teeth enough as well. That's part of the story. You know, as dentists, we have to give the technicians enough room uh, to be able to mill restorations like this. So great looking result for two Bruxer crowns on teeth number eight and nine.